2: Coming up today on The Story. I talked to him and I just said, if you are real, show me. If you can show me, I will give up all my dreams. My dreams of going to Hollywood, pursuing making movies. I will give everything up. And when I started seeking him, man, he came out of nowhere. And he did something so dramatic in my life. And not only did I not have to give up the very thing I told him I would give up my dreams and my desires, He put me in the forefront of it. The Story.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, one of the most successful Christian animated series of all time is CBN's Superbook, which features scripturally accurate Bible stories. John Schaefer is the senior producer of this series, and today he'll share the story behind Superbook's success and some of his own story as well. John is having a chat with Karen Hunt.
1: John, welcome to the program. Thanks for sparing some time for us today. Tell us about the idea behind
2: Super Bowl? Well, the uh, the new series is actually based off of the uh, uh, series that CBN had produced back in 1981. They co-produced it with a studio in Japan called uh, Tonsunuto Studios, and that studio is very famous for Speed Racer and a lot of uh, the classic animes. And the reason being is uh, what CBN was trying to do is they were trying to get the Japanese audience to engage in the Bible. And so they went to uh ad agencies, both here in the United States, in New York, and in Tokyo, to find out what is the most effective way to gauge the Japanese audience to be interested in in the Bible, purchasing the Bible, and reading the Bible. So through all the research that was done, they said, well, and this is back in the uh, late 70s in this development part, is the Japanese people, children, young adults, and elderly, they love animation. And so they said the most effective way to reach a Japanese audience probably is through animation, but they also like science fiction. So that's when Superbook, we had writers here develop it, and that's why there's a time travel, because it's actually for going back in time for the sci-fi element. They incorporated a robot gizmo because the Japanese are very fascinated with robots. So through that, that's how Superbook came about, and um, it was very successful in Japan. The Bible actually made it on the top 10 bestseller list of books, not just Christian books, but we're talking secular books. So its, a, it's purpose was very effective that the Japanese audience watched this episode. They went out and purchased the Bible. They read the Bible, and they were getting engaged with it. So during this time, as CBN was expanding the Christian Broadcasting Network worldwide, we had a lot of program uh, different networks throughout the world asking, do we have any type of children's programming available? Well, we only produced the one series, Superbook, at that time, which was 52 episodes, and so we, we told them about the show we had, so we actually started overdubbing all these episodes in different languages, and it just it literally just took off around the world. It was very effective in Russia. It was right when the Cold War was coming to an end that Superbook was actually on the largest Russian television national network. And and what happened, a lot of these countries that you wouldn't think that would air a Christian show, they did because it, animation isn't threatening. They never looked at animation as a threatening form of media. So the message in there, they didn't feel it was going to be threatening. In fact, they, they figured that there was a life lesson that was applicable to children and young adults. So Superbook had been in uh, 106 countries, translated in 46 languages and has been roughly conservatively seen by half a billion people. So this is the original series. So when CBN decided to figure out how to reach this new generation, because Gordon Robertson's heart was really trying to introduce Bible stories to the children of the world, he wanted to kind of. He read the uh, a lot of uh, reports about how Bible literacy in the United States and around the world was just on. It was just on. Uh, just going crazy. It was. It was not good. And so he read a Barner report that really just touched him, where he just felt like I have got to make some type of series that's going to uh, tell the Bible story. True, be true to the Bible story, and also introduce the Bible story to a new generation. So we thought about different ideas. And so we thought the most effective way is, why don't we reintroduce Superbook, update the animation so it's not 2D, it's CGI animation, update the look and feel of the characters so uh, that they'd be more contemporary, more relevant, and update the stories itself. And um, and so that's how we came about with Superbook. And uh, it was pretty much, that was a long journey. It took a few years to get us to the point of where we felt comfortable about producing the pilot episode, A Giant Adventure, which is the story of David and Goliath.
1: John I believe you've been working for cbn for like 16 years or so and yeah, nine of exactly. those years on superbook that's a huge commitment
2: it, it's a it's a massive commitment and you know in the very beginning there was no there was only Gordon Robertson and myself and uh, another producer who was involved from cbn we hired freelancers and that stuff to kind of t- to do a test pilot and so it it was a it was really tough developing it and that stuff, but we had to do the proof of concept to show the CBN board of directors, to show the partners, our CBN partners who really help finance these shows, that you know with their donations and contributions is really what backed up uh, this series. Is uh, we had to show a proof of concept to make a show relevant for this generation, to still have an evergreen value for down the road, and also. We had to make sure that the shows were culturally relevant. So if you ever watch an episode, we're very specific. You never see Chris and Joy, our main characters. They never eat with their left hand or touch someone with their left hand because we want to be culturally relevant to cu- cultures that do not use their left hand. They use, you know, you know, in that for eating or anything. Uh, we watch what colors we use. We watch, you know, where we you never see them use fork and knives because we don't want it to be westernized there. And the dilemmas that Chris and Joy face in each episode, we try not to make it like it's a western dilemma. Because when these when these episodes air around the world, we don't want them to think that this is a western show for a western god. That no, God has a purpose and a plan for everyone. And so we that's why we're very conscious of that as we produce the series.
1: So, you're a producer, the first producer on the new Superbook. John, what does a producer actually do?
2: Oh, man, the producer is kind of the the first one in on a show and the last one out of the show, kind of. Basically, what my job was is being a producer for, for a ministry is a lot different than Hollywood because we kind of have to wear a little bit more hats than a typical producer. So, for me, my job was to build a a team in China, the Animation Studio. And I want to kind of clarify, a lot of people ask us, why are you guys going to China for producing the animation? Why are you taking the work away from American animators? Why are you outsourcing? And we are not outsourcing. We are not doing it because it's cheaper than China. The reason why we produce the animation in China is the Chinese government, the SARF, the State Administration for Radio, Television, Film, which is equivalent to the United States version of the FCC, mandates that any children's programming that's going to be broadcast on mainland China, on national channels, has to be produced in China. The development can happen in any country, but the actual production needs to happen in China. So that's why we produced the series in China. And so my job was to build a team of animators, modelers, texturers, and, and Lighting people, rendering people in China to build out that studio, to find the artists, the directors and writers here in the state. So I had to develop the whole team. Then once the team was built, you kind of, you know, do the day to day operations of that. But also, my background was, is I worked in special effects. I also actually was an animator, an editor, a designer. So I actually contributed to doing, reviewing all the artwork and and actually working on some stuff, designing effects and that stuff for the pilot episode and that. So my background of production kind of rolled in there. So I'm a different type of producer because I I kind of actually do the actual work itself. But also, my experience, too, is... uh, You know, I saw where the future was going. You know, I'm I'm very much into technology. Gordon Robertson and a lot of people here are forward thinkers. So we had to look at Superbook as not, it's an animated show. We want it to be the catalyst to get excited, people to watch the show, to learn about the Bible stories. But we want them to get engaged with the Bible stories. So we had to do it in such a way so that we had to develop, you know, kids just don't read books like they used to. And I'm not saying books are going away, but they're just not engaged with it. So we had to develop an interactive website. We had to develop things because our generation, when I grew up, I grew up on TV shows like Sesame Street, The Electric Company, and Mr. Rogers and that stuff, is a spectator my son who's 27 years old he grew up as a nintendo generation the playstation generation my daughter who is 16 grew up as the uh, touch generation ipod and everything and the one thing that happened is kids do not want to be spectators they just don't want to watch anymore they want to participate they want to be able to customize the experience make the experience their own share it with their friends so for the next step for us as we were producing the series for superbook what is that next step gonna look like beyond the episode itself? So we had to develop interactive websites like superbook.tv, interactive apps for like our Bible app on the Superbook Bible app and other apps that we're currently developing for iOS and Android. So Superbook is just not an animation story Superbook is a branded experience, so kids can experience these episodes, watch these episodes, customize it, share it with friends, make it their own, and now now we're getting into the toy side of stuff, so now they can play with it, too. So, so yeah, so if my role as a producer is much different than the typical producer that you would see working on a regular TV show for Disney or other sh- or networks like Nickelodeon, that. And, um, and it's because we're also a ministry, so we have to wear many, many hats.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with John Schaefer, who's the senior producer of one of the most successful Christian animated series of all time, CBN's Superbook, which features scripturally accurate Bible stories. We'll hear more of the story behind Superbook and more of John's personal story when we return. The Story. We're back with more of Karen Hunt chatting with John Schaefer, who's the senior producer of CBN's Superbook animated series. John's sharing the story behind Superbook's success and some of his own story as well.
1: I imagine there must be real pressure on you as a Christian in an
2: industry which
1: is actually pretty resolutely non Christian.
2: Do you feel that pressure much? You know, uh, I, I guess for me, myself, I, n- I never did because I think I, you know, my testimony, which is, is far too long to get involved with, but I had went through something so traumatic and then God had done something so dramatic to recover me, to help me. And at that moment, because there, there was a pivotal moment because I did not believe in God. If there was this God, he does you know, he hasn't done anything for me. That was my attitude. But there was a moment, you know, I told this God one day, I talked to him and I just said, if you are real, you know, show me, you know, and if, if you are real, you know, if, if you can show me, I will give up all my dreams. My dreams are going to Hollywood, pursuing, making movies. I will give everything up. And he didn't show me that day, that moment, the next day or the next week. But what happened, there was a change in my heart to want to learn about him. And when I started seeking him, man, he came out of nowhere and he did something so dramatic in my life. And not only did I not have to give up the very thing I told him I would give up my dreams and my desires, he put me in the forefront of it. And so I had always been proud to be a Christian. When I, w- when I go to studios, secular studios like Lionsgate, when they're presenting Superbook for distribution and that, I actually ask them if it's okay if I open up in prayer. These are studios, mainline studios. And you know what? Not one single person ever said no. And the one thing is, is when you pray, sometimes God will direct you to pray specifically over someone in that meeting, and I have done that, and you can see how God has touched them. And the one thing that's been really cool is most people in the studio in the Hollywood sector, they look at you and say, we change a frozen perception of what they think of Christians. They think of Christian is some right wing radical group that's Bible thumper and we just, we, we, we banned everything. And when they saw how we were and realized, man, they're just like us, but they see things and do things differently than us and that, so I never had that type of stress of interacting with the, the the Hollywood side of stuff or the or the secular side, because God has always given me great favor and an opportunity. And every time every time you meet with someone, it is an opportunity. And so uh, so no, I guess I've never been stressed by that pressure. You
1: love all this stuff: Star Wars, Doctor Who, Sherlock. For you. What is it about them
2: that you find so attractive? You know, uh, that genre, I I just love. I don't know what it is. I was just fascinated with it. I think for Star Wars, I had never seen anything like it because I actually saw Star Wars when it first came out in the theaters. And I just like that that fantasy-type world. I like the stories of there is that one person who no one sees value in and he gets plucked out of obscurity to do something and calling greater than what he is. And you know what? This is gonna sound weird. I I grew up in a you know I did not grow up in a Christian home. My father was Christian science, my mother was Buddhist, so I didn't grow up in a Christian home. But when I saw Star Wars and I saw the story of Luke Skywalker and then when I started reading, you know, and I started getting reading the Bible at one point in my life and that stuff, you know, here's David He's a shepherd, he works on a farm, or not a farm, but a pasture with sheep. You got Luke Skywalker who works on a a moisture farm evaporator thing, and both got plucked out of obscurity. Both knew there was something bigger for them. They did not know what it was or how to get there. And so, and both had so-called that anointing moment. You had the anointing moment with Samuel, with David. You had that uh, anointing moment, so-called with Obi-Wan, with uh, Luke you know, and along the way, so I don't know. I even think when Lucas probably developed Star Wars, I think he did look at different religions and he pulled from different stuff. And I think with some of the stuff that I really get fascinated with, I think each of us, whether you know God or not, there's a spiritual truth in us. And there's something that awakens that spiritual truth. And so for some of us, we go through something so dramatic that we turn to God, others, you know, and so I think... In some of these storytelling, there is a spiritual truth that kind of gets you excited and, and you know, you're just seeing it in a different format. And so I think, you know, Star Wars really did it for me. But the genre, I think. There's just something about it for me that there's a spiritual truth that resonates within the storytelling and, you know, and then just the excitement of the, everything around it. So, the you know, the visuals and all that. Do you
1: think that that interest in technology and science fiction was behind your decision to join the U.S. Air Force? Because you served there for a while, didn't yeah, you? Actually,
2: when I went into the U.S. Air Force... Uh, I originally wanted to go to a division called Combat Camera. That's a division that actually makes movies and and a lot of video productions. And And it was called Combat Camera. The Air Force never went into combat that way, but that was the name of the division. I had taken all my tests and everything for that. And believe it or not, the career field I got, I scored so high in science and math, which blew my mind. And because I had a good record, no police issues and that stuff. I actually went in to work on the ICBM weapon system. I worked on the Minuteman three nuclear missiles, the interballistic, continental ballistic missiles. I worked on them. I worked on the launch controls facilities where they actually the we call them the cave pilots. They're the guys who wash out of flight school, but they're the ones who turn the uh, keys to launch these uh, ICBMs. I worked on the electronic components of a nuclear weapon system. That was my job in the Air Force, so I went in the Air Force hoping to get into film, and I end up working on nukes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I imagine that comes as quite a surprise, hey?
2: It, it did. I was shocked because, first of all, I wasn't good in math and science in uh, school, <laughs> so I was surprised that I scored I scored like a 98% on my math. I was like in the ASFAB or whatever this the military test was. I was like shocked.
1: Something else I see that you've done. You went to Indonesia after yeah. the Boxing Day tsunami. That must have been very challenging.
2: We have an office in Indonesia That prior to this, uh, Gordon Robertson, you know, our CEO of CBN, he wanted me to go there to, uh, help, you know, you know, look at the studio, see what we could do new and innovative at the studio. And I would never ever go. And I remember Gordon Robertson one day telling me he really felt strongly I would be going to Indonesia. I kind of laughed at him and I told him that Gordon, a burning bush would have to tell me I'm going to Indonesia. And that day when I, I woke up, December 26, 2004, the breaking story on Yahoo, it said like 3,000 have perished in Indonesia and uh, parts of India and Thailand and, and that. And I thought, you know, oh, that's horrible. But I didn't, I read it and I didn't just stick with it. But I remember watching the news throughout the day, 3,000, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 and all the different countries that this was affected. I wrote Gordon that day thinking, you know, Gordon, if you guys need help, you know, I would go. And I didn't expect he would use me. But 20 minutes later, I was on a roster list to get to Indonesia. So uh, we got there that week, you know, and to do humanitarian, to cover news stories and that stuff. So I actually went to Bandanache, the hardest area hit of all the regions. And I saw some horrific stuff. But I also saw God do some amazing things there. And that moment changed my life. Because at that moment, it wasn't about Lucasfilm, working for Hollywood, making the next Star Wars movie, anything. That moment truly was, God, I'll do whatever you ask of me. And I thought I was going to become a missionary because I was just that changed me that much.
1: When you go back after an experience like that, how hard is it to get back into normal life, the real world, for you, where you yourself came from?
2: Yeah. Well, you know what? It, it changed my perceptions of a lot of things. And so I think for me, it was a good thing that that happened for me. It was horrible that what happened, but to find out the value of quality of life, the true value of what we do and why we do what we do. I mean, when you see 10, 20,000 corpses piled up and you look at that and you realize, man, there's like a 99.9999 chance that these people knew nothing of Jesus, was never exposed to the gospel. And at that moment, you want to reach the world. You're on. You now know that why you do what you do. So for me, it, coming back to this life, to the United States and everything, it, it did change my perspective. And things that were so material before, goals and dreams and aspirations, changed because now, instead of wanting to help myself to better my life. I wanted to be used by God to help others.
1: Which brings us back to Superbook, I guess. How has the new Superbook been received around the world?
2: You know, uh, we started uh, doing broadcasts in the Philippines, Indonesia. They've had uh, big specials in Mexico, Russia, and especially during the whole crisis in the Ukraine when that whole situation was going on. Superbook was being in, being shown in 400 different cities at that time, and we work around the clock on Superbook. Literally, the team here works so hard, and they make a lot of sacrifices with their family. But when we see these testimonies, we see letters that are written. We see people write on the Facebook walls around the world and that stuff. That changes us. And and to kind of give you a background, of a lot of the people who work in this department, they work for major studios. The one thing is that they love what they did in the industry. They worked on some of the coolest movies, and they're so proud of. And But they feel their most effective work they're doing is what they do for Superbook, you know, and it's because it's changing people's lives. People are making decisions every day, and when we see how many people are praying the prayer of salvation through the website and going through the gospel presentation or through our Bible app, we are totally humbled by that. We're humbled, biggest thing is because God is using us to tell these his stories, and that is humbling. He's giving us the tools, the talent and everything to do with what we do. But man, to think about it that God the Almighty would choose any one of us to do something to reach people around the world. That is really humbling. And so it, it's been a cool thing seeing all these testimonies and all these children and young adults and even adults come to come to know the Lord or rededicate their lives, you know. And the stuff that touches me the most is when you hear stories about. I watched a Daniel episode and when Daniel taught Joy how to pray, I learned how to pray and I pray now every night that God would heal my mom of cancer. Our shows are even teaching people how to pray and they realize that they can talk to God right there. So it it is, it's a humbling and it's an awesome experience.
1: John Schaefer, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. I wish you well with all your endeavors. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.
0: That was Karen Hunt chatting with John Schaefer, who's the senior producer of one of the most successful Christian animated series of all time, CBN's Superbook, which features scripturally accurate Bible stories. To learn more about Superbook and how you can view the series, go to our Vision Christian store at store.vision.org.au. Once again, that's store.vision.org au. While there, just type in Superbook and you'll see what's available. Finally, in honour of all the creative work that went into making the Superbook series, we'll end today with these verses from the Bible about doing creative work for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Well, thanks for joining us First, John Schaefer's story and the story behind Superbook. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
2: I know that God can put a gift and a call on anybody's life and we just have to hear the call. It's really it's like one of my songs called Heed the Call. It's we have to hear the call and that's often been, as I've reflected back through many trials, tribulations and, and
0: victories and great times, I have looked back and said, Lord, what next? And I hear the Lord saying, Dan, I'm going to use you in music and evangelism. Dan Vogler is a country music singer and a rural chaplain who gets around and does music and evangelism in some of the most far-flung places of Australia. We'll hear Dan's story and some of his music next time.